Hey everyone, Big Honk and Steve here um, with a quick message before we get into things. Would love for you to go check out BigHonkinShow.com, www.BigHonkinShow.com. Now this is the home of the new radio show that's taking place in southeast Georgia, The Big Honkin' Show. Uh, my show, in fact, that we do every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on the air, and then we put out in podcast form uh, usually by Monday. So um, so if you haven't checked that out yet, it's just a good time. There's nothing really going on but shenanigans. It's just, you know, it's an hour of shenanigans. Who doesn't need shenanigans in their life? I'm telling you that if you have more shenanigans, you live longer. So uh, head over to www.bighonkinshow.com and check that out. You're listening to the Geek Out Loud podcast, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we welcome Ash Miller, former writer for the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and upcoming writer for the Thor movie. We talk about those things. We talk about writing. We just have a good time talking with Ash Miller. All that, plus your emails on this, your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Geek Out Loud, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. This is how I roll. You know, I go two months with no podcast, and then suddenly I'm back two weeks in a row just pumping them out like it's nobody's business because that's how we roll around here. You know, actually, I had this interview with uh, Ashley Miller, uh, former writer for Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, current writer on The Fringe uh, series on Fox, and I just have I, because I'd made the commitment to do a do an entire episode devoted to emails. I just never put it out. I never went back through and edited and did everything I needed to do. Do 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 ba do boom. Uh, I sound like a freaking uh, a jazz scatter. Did it? Did it? Skid about? Dip? Did it? <laughs> Either that or one of the old dot matrix printers. You remember those? <laughs> Anyhow, um, for our younger listeners out there who are used to inkjet printers, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Golly, how far we have come in 15 years. <laughs> I did 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, I was still using in my little room uh, to print out term papers and stuff, the old dot matrix printers with the loud noises. Couldn't stay up late and do papers on those. 
or you could, but you had to wait till everyone was up in the morning to print out because they woke the whole house up, or that particular printer did. Anywho, um, glad you're along with us. Appreciate you being here. And uh, as far as news goes for the show, there's not much going on. I hope that you've had a chance to check out www.bighonkinshow.com, www.bighonkinshow.com. That is the home of my new podcast slash radio show uh, known as The Big Honkin Show. And there you will find the weekly ramblings of myself and normally a guest host by the name of Buck, who is a good friend of mine from way back. And um, we just have a good time. Uh, around here, it's to make Saturday mornings fun again. Hopefully for you, it's to make your Mondays a little less Monday. Uh, somebody got a case of the Mondays. Uh, make your Mondays a little bit better. So check that out, www.bighonkinshow.com, www.bighonkinshow.com. I've got a little bit of time this weekend, so hopefully I'm going to get all of the posts that have been sent to me uh, by the Geek Out Online team, including uh, Matt Kruger, Jason Spencer, my good friend Casey. Uh, hopefully we'll get those things posted and uh, and put on the blog this week, Geek Out. And plus, maybe a little something by me. Who knows? So I'm hoping to have a little bit of extra time on my hands this weekend. And it'll be the last bit of extra time I have on my hands until just before Thanksgiving. However, I'm going to try to stay consistent with the podcast. I think I've got a time where I can do the podcast on a consistent basis, and it's just a matter of, of being able to get it done and making sure those times stay stay available. So Geek Out Loud will still be a factor. Now, I am not unaware that it was, you know, we're in October, October, the hunt for red October. Uh, we're in October now, and... Man, it is, it's Halloween coming up. When I first started Geek Out Loud, uh, some friends of mine and myself, we did a ghost hunt at a store that, that some people were experiencing some wacky things, some weird things going on, and that audio has been lost forever. And there is nothing I would love more than to do a Geek Out Loud ghost hunt. So I'm not going to promise you anything, but we are trying to work out the details on that, on a Geek Out Loud ghost hunt uh, sometime around um, Halloween, if not a little bit before. So keep your keep your eyes peeled for that coming up uh if you got any i tell you what here's what would be awesome if i can't do that i do want to do a halloween themed episode of geek out loud coming up if you've got some ghost stories real or otherwise i you know prefer real send them in uh to geekoutonline at gmail.com geekoutonline at gmail.com subject line ghost story and we'll do a whole um we'll do a whole Halloween themed Geek Out Loud uh, later on this month. So that's subject line ghost stories to geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Subject line ghost stories. Well, speaking of emails, we've got plenty more to get to. So let's jump into your emails right now. First email comes from our good friend Raj from the UK in the HK. <laughs> uh, Raj says, Hey there, Steve. It's day 78, and I'm still at this point, it's like day 178. And I'm still camped out at the airport waiting for Big Honkin to land. Imagine Tom Hanks in the terminal, but without the Oscars. Hope you're doing well and that life isn't getting too crazy. Congrats on getting Stan Bush on Geek Out Loud. 
listen, let me tell you something. Um, oh, my gosh. He says, just to talk about Stan, let's talk about Stan Bush coming on. That dude had no idea what he was in for. He didn't realize that he was about to talk to a guy who actually listens to his music and enjoys it and who is such a fan. Like uh, my friend Casey told me, I was more starstruck with Stan Bush than I was with Brian Austin Green, and I think it's true. I really enjoyed having Stan Bush on the show. He says, don't worry about punching above your weight and getting guests on the show. We should make a move to get James Earl Jones to do a bumper for the show. Oh, my gosh. Don't even talk that way. Don't even talk that way. You're listening to the Geek Out Loud podcast. Oh, my gosh. Can you just imagine James Earl Jones doing it? I would probably have to pay him like $5,000 to do that. I will raise $5,000 to get James Earl Jones just to say, you're listening to the Geek Out Loud podcast. Um, oh, my Lanta, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right, I'll start, start the campaign now. If you know how to get in touch with James Earl Jones, ask him to do so. <laughs> any news on the radio show and any chance it'll come out in a podcast slash downloadable form for us outside of your station's area? Um, well, Raj, uh, here's the truth. <laughs> listen how he signs this thing. Keep on geeking. Raj, tent number 61, Arrival Halls B, Terminal 1, Hong Kong International Airport, Hong Kong. <laughs> well, Raj, uh, here's the deal on the radio show, as you heard me say at the outset of the podcast. BigHonkinShow.com. Head over there and, and see what you think. Uh, you being from the uk and now living in the hk sometimes i forget that you're from the uk therefore i don't know maybe our humor is not as sophisticated as yours or you might not like what we have to say but it's there so um you know it is what it is it is it is what it is let me go ahead and do this one um raj also sent in a picture of the job of the hut costume we never wanted and it's uh it's it's pretty um, <laughs> it's like okay uh, I can't describe it it's it's almost like the fat suits they have with the fans with the blow up only not it, back in the day for some reason some company thought it would be a, a cool thing to make uh, you know the hoses that connect to a dryer they're kind of like a spring and a hose and they're 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 very bendy, very movable. It's almost like a slinky wrapped in nylon. Um, someone thought it'd be a good idea to take those dryer hoses and increase their size and make little tunnels for kids to crawl through. Not that you ever did anything with them, except they just sat there on the floor. I never had one. My cousins did, but um, and I never understood the point. I never understood the purpose of those things. Because it's like I go in one end, I come out the other. Woohoo! Could have walked faster the three feet I just crawled. But anyhow, it looks like something like that with arms put to it. And then just a big umbrella painted like Java's face, only with no none of the uh, no uh, arms on the umbrella. So it looks like someone took the cloth part of the umbrella off, painted Java the Huts, and just draped it over somebody's head. It looks... It looks terrible, but um, it is the Java suit we never wanted. And, and he put, <laughs> Raj put, what are you going to wear this October? That was the that was the subject line to his email. What are you going to wear this October? And then he says, um, he laughed a little at my expense. Raj, that's fine. That's fine. Um, you, <laughs> I wrote back, and I'll, let, me, let me see what I, I'll tell you what I said when I wrote back. 
I told him, uh, thanks. It's not a problem. You're my best friend. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyhow, yeah, there it is. The job of the hut costume for October. We are gearing up toward the October thing here. This one comes from, um, from Grayson and Grayson says, Hey Steve, I'm a new listener to the show and it's great. I started listening after listening to Skynex. Still mad that it was canceled. Skynext and terminated the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Guess we can thank American Idol and reality TV for that one. And shoo, not thank shoe, but he was listening to Shoe, Starkville's House of L. I wanted to email about episodes sixteen and seventeen, the two part Star Wars episodes. I just finished them. Now, I heard that one of your problems was the age and that you thought that Anakin and Obi-Wan should have been a little bit older. I do think that maybe we should have got a little bit older for Anakin and Obi-Wan. Maybe if Episode 2 didn't take place 10 years after Episode 1, but closer to 15 years after Episode 1. Well, I think the ages are pretty good with the original trilogy. I was reading my Star Wars, the new essential chronology, which is really great, by the way. And it said that Obi-Wan was 25 in Episode 1, which would make him 35 in Episode 2, and 38 in Episode 3, which makes him about 57 in Episode 4, which I think is a reasonable age for how he looked. Now, see, being only 25 years out at this point from 57, i got to tell you, I don't know that he looked 57 in Episode 4. That's the thing. Alec Guinness didn't look 57. He looked a lot older than 57, and I think he might have been. Jimmy Mack can get me back, get my back on that. Um... Anakin was 9 and 1, he was 19 and 2, and he was 22 and 3, which makes him 41 and 4, which is believable because I do not want Vader at 50. Also, you started talking about how episode 2 never explained Sifo Deus or the clones or Jango Fett. Well, the chronology goes into that too. Another thing on Star Wars is that during your Phantom Menace podcast, you got the part about Zod being mad that they kneeled to Boss Nass. I just couldn't hold it anymore. I busted out laughing. A theory I have on the dark side. Well, let me just stop and, and address the whole chronology thing too. Here's my thing about about that. Casual moviegoers shouldn't have to go to a book to find out. Um, well, lost my mic there. Casual moviegoers, I honestly don't feel, should have to be... And I'm not, not that I'm a casual moviegoer. But casual moviegoers shouldn't have to be subjected to outside literature for those simple things like that. Um, that has been... And the reason I brought the whole sifo up situation... Uh, was not because I didn't get it from the movie, but because I had friends who had a hard time getting it from the movie. See, I'm able to sit there and listen, oh, well, this happened, that happened, oh, this happened. And and kind of knowing some other stuff from outside and leading up to the story and everything, I knew what was going on, um, but my casual movie-going friends did not. And so I have to have conversations explaining that. And I just feel like that was kind of a weak point. I really think episode two was the weakest of the prequels. So... um but anyhow, that's not me saying I hate episode two. That's just saying it's the weakest of the prequels. Um, he says, I have a theory on the dark side is that it's more powerful. It just lacks focus, and that's why the Jedi beat them. In episode one, I feel like Obi-Wan beat Maul because he was in a fit of rage and suffering. In episode six, Luke beat Vader because when Vader brought up his sister, he just went off into a fit of rage and anger, thinking of Vader trying to hurt Leia, and that's why he almost killed Vader if he had not regained his focus. The dark side is more powerful, but it blinds you with power and rage. And that is why on Mustafar, Anakin could have beat Obi-Wan if he had not thought he was so powerful and tried to take the high ground. Well, no. Now, see, Yoda tells us in Episode 5, the dark side's not, not more powerful. It's quicker. It's easier. It's more seductive. The truth of the matter is, is a lot of times the problem with evil is, is that evil takes the quick route 
to achieve its means. And that good, so many times in an effort to try to triumph over evil, tries to keep from being what evil is. And therefore, the route to victory is a little more circuitous. It's, it's a little longer to get to victory. And that's why so many times the good guys have to exercise patience and restraint rather than becoming that which they are fighting. Now, I don't, you know, there's a lot of reasons Luke began to beat Vader in episode six. Honestly, the truth of the matter was at that point, Luke was a little more powerful. I mean, if Luke had had his training a little bit more, I really think he could have taken, just on a physical level, could have taken Vader because um, if he would have been a little bit more mobile than what Vader was. And that's okay. That's not taking away from who... And at the time, too, Vader had a lot of conflict going on. Don't forget the conflict that Vader was experiencing based on the conversation that he and Luke had before they went to the Emperor. So I reject your claims that the dark side is stronger. Also, uh, Darth Maul cheated a little bit to almost beat Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan was focused. That's why he was able to up out of that pit and go over Darth Maul and slice him in half. Someone even pointed out to me that that Luke almost tried to use the same move on Obi-Wan that Obi-Wan had used on Darth Maul in Episode 1. That in Episode 3, you know, Anakin, rather, not Luke, Anakin jumps over Obi-Wan to try to regain that high ground advantage, and Obi-Wan slices upward. Well, what did Obi-Wan do in episode one? He pulled himself up, used the force to flip over Darth Maul, and cut him in half because the light side, because of his focus, because he was able to focus, because and, and because the light side's a little bit stronger. I, I think that it's interesting that Obi-Wan, in his, in his common and his patience, was able to do that. I don't think the dark side's stronger at all. Um, I don't think it's more powerful. Another theory I have is when you talk in either episode 16 or the Star Wars episode 1 commentary, you talked about midichlorians and how Anakin was created. Well, I think either Pelagius or Palpatine, with Pelagius' knowledge, as he told Anakin that Pelagius told his apprentices secrets at the opera, whoa. Basically, he thinks that Pelagius made Anakin... And the auditorium outside of Republic. Could have been. Could have been. Qui-Gon said that if Anakin had been born in the Republic, they would have sensed him, and uh, which made the Sith plan genius. They just never expected Jedi to accidentally land on Tatooine. Also, if you've not read Star Wars Rise of Lord Vader, it's great. And it talks about how Obi-Wan discovers Vader's alive. Happens a couple of weeks after Episode 3. Sorry this email went so long, but I'm a huge Star Wars fan. May the Force be with you. Grayson, Grayson, may the Force be with you, friend. And I will tell you this, sir. Um... <laughs> punctuation and sentence structure no uh, <laughs> uh proofreading um I, you know a lot of people said that maybe darth play just because uh, palpatine tells anakin at the opera he says you know he even learned how to make the uh, midichlorians create life and th- that leads us to believe that wow did you know, did Plagueis kind of father Anakin? The problem is, at that point, Plagueis was dead. Now, Anakin was 10, so it might have been a few years before when Palpatine killed Plagueis. I don't know if Plagueis was Palpatine's master, which I, I think... I think Lucas has said he was. I don't know. That's one of those things. That's one of those things that's so neat to talk about with, you know, other Star Wars fans and find out where who said what and what said who and really kind of focus. That's 
I was tell, talking to someone the other day about something with the prequels, and I'll tell you what, for all of the junk that the prequels catch from fans and from from moviegoers and everything, they have opened the door to so many interesting discussions and other theories. I mean, you thought the original trilogy was a big deal because Obi-Wan mentioned Lava and he mentioned Anakin and he mentioned the Clone Wars. Well, I've got news for you. These prequels just open up a whole new realm of discussions with when did the Sith come to power? When? How long had Palpatine been planning this? Whose plan was it really? How did Palpatine kill his master? When did he kill his master? What did he, you know? All this crazy stuff there is to talk about. And to answer your final questions, I have read um, Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. Incredible book. If you're into Star Wars, uh, Expanded Universe at all, um then you need to check out Dark Lord, Rise of Lord Vader. In fact, I think that's one of the few novels... See, Shadows of the Empire was this way. Shadows of the Empire was an official... is official G-level canon, from what I understand. Um, this is this has got George Lucas' stamp saying this is what happened between the movies. Dark Lord, Rise of Darth Vader, I think is kind of the same way. And some of you more in tune with the EU can uh, can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this comes from Scott. Scott says, Hey, Steve, first time. We're glad to hear you enjoy Godfather th- Godfather 3 as much as the first two. So rare to find such folk. Whenever someone talks about sequels, I'm reminded of something my mother told me back in 1991. Of course they'll make another Dick Tracy movie. All successful films get sequels these days. <laughs> I'm still eagerly awaiting for the Dick Tracy sequel. There was some news a year ago about Warren Beatty being in a legal fight for the right, so I'm still here patiently waiting for the Dick Tracy sequel. As a kid, Dick Tracy was definitely a favorite movie, even more so than Star Wars. I'm sorry, what? 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 Even more so than Star Wars? What? 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 You know what? This is a safe place to geek out, Scott. And I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but you are the first person I've ever met who said, hey, you know what? Like Dick Tracy better than Star Wars. Anyhow, (laughs) one of the appealing characteristics of the film was a very lively soundtrack. So was Star Wars' soundtrack very lively. Much Danny Elfman, I think, did the soundtrack for Dick Tracy. And um, anyhow, I'll continue. That along with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs contain my two favorite film soundtrack slash scores. Well, that's cool. Uh, when it comes down to good sequels, you were making great points about what a good sequel should do. I think an important factor is the environment in which the film is set. Star Wars, Godfather, and Dick Tracy could all have good sequels because the settings easily allow the filmmakers to explore. I think the most important thing for the director to maintain the exact tone is the predecessor. Star Wars and Godfather succeed in maintaining the same tone, while the two X-Files films have very different tones. Congrats on connecting with the Forcecast crew. Look forward to your upcoming shows. Please do an X-Files show. Thanks for all the time, effort, passion, and overall positive vibes you provide on Geek Out Loud and Starkless House of L. Great stuff. And that comes from Scott. Scott, we are working on an X-Files theme show. Uh, got a, I'm going to try to get Dave Jones back on so we can really spend some time talking X-Files and, and talking our favorite moments of X-Files and really kind of trying to clear up what happened there at the end. Um, uh, Dick Tracy's cool. Dick Tracy was visually an interesting film and and I I saw it once and I don't remember it changing my life. 
uh, I can see where it would appeal to most anybody. I, I like the use of color in Dick Tracy, the, the fact that they weren't scared of the bold, bright colors, and it made it feel it was a little too... It was a little too impressionistic to me because of that. However, I will say that what a great cast Dick Tracy has. So um, Dick Tracy, definitely worth checking out. If you've never seen Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy, I think it's worth checking out. I will agree that it was a good movie. Some people don't agree with that. Like, I, Scott, you're definitely in the minority in thinking that. Um, here's the thing to say that Star Wars and its sequels have the same have the same atmosphere. I disagree. Um to an ex- mm, the same settings or the same environment uh, outside of space Star Wars really doesn't I mean you go from a desert to a snow planet you go from a snow planet to the clouds there's a jungle planet and a desert planet and you know um, the Death Star Star Destroyers kind of similar environments I guess uh, the forest moon of Endor um, kind of a similar environment to Yavin 4 I guess Tatooine was familiar when you hit episode one you're on Naboo you're on Tatooine again you're on Coruscant which is was was, all these things were unfamiliar except for Tatooine uh episode two man you got Geonosis you got um you got freaking uh oh my gosh where did he go um Camino which was a different thing than we'd ever seen before uh you've got of course Tatooine was in episode two as well in episode three i gotta start out right you start at coruscant um from coruscant you go to kashik from kashik to utapau from utapau to um back to coruscant after he's dead then you do a little bit of um gosh they're all over the place with felucia uh, uh megiddo um or some other places they they went. I can't think of all the places. Christ- was Christophsis? Were they on Christophsis? I don't remember. Anyhow, my point is this, is there were so many different environments. It's hard to say we have one environment outside of space. What was similar in the way that Star Wars was done was in the setup and the way they were filmed. I am boring the crap out of the audience right now. I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't know that, you know, I'd really like to see a Dick Tracy sequel. I don't know that Dick Tracy in 2009 could be done the same way it was done back in the 90s back in 1991 just because of the atmosphere I think people would expect something a little more gritty and I think if you could make a good Dick Tracy film and it'd be fun but still have a a nice grit kind of almost a film noir kind of feel to it um this one comes from Matthew Cunningham who after we did the whole uh, he he sent the whole thing about he he was making himself listen to episodes one through ten until we got a new one out this was a couple episodes ago it says hello steve i just want to say thank you my ears thank you too i did have to go to an ear nose and throat specialist he gave me a prescription of not listening to the first 10 episodes of goal the force cast episode was a really enjoyable one thank you steve p.s i have to say that i really enjoy several of the first 10 episodes of goal especially your cousin uh ncn not cnc but ncn jason thanks for all you do and that's from matthew cunningham matthew who also did if you go to geekoutonline.com and and scroll back through some of the old articles matthew answered the call that michael bailey and i put out of the gi joe putting the gi joe opener to that gi joe the movie to toby keith's courtesy of the red white and blue and it worked out it was so good and matthew i still owe you 
uh, a gift for that. So uh, stay on my stay on me about that because I'm bad to just forget. This one comes from Warren, and he says, um, "Big honking, glad to finally hear you get to talk to Jason and Jimmy Mac. My two favorite podcasts collided. It was like when the Flintstones met the Jetsons, or when Jamie and Fran from Mad About You appeared on Friends, which was a cool moment, by the way. <laughs> Great interview. I loved hearing that Jason and Pete tried to stick it to Jimmy and keep him off the show. Funny stuff. Hopefully, you'll get to do a roundtable when season two of the Clone Wars starts. Love the show." keep them coming and that's from Warren up in Ottawa Ontario Canada um Warren thanks man I really enjoyed I want to just reiterate again I know it's been three and a half or two and a half months now but I really enjoyed having Jason and Jimmy Mack on the show and Jimmy Mack has kept in touch and and has been a big help to me as far as my radio show goes and, and this podcast goes and a big encouragement as far as this show goes and those guys let me tell you something I, you know, we get some flack over at SHU, over at Starkville's House of L, for some of the things we say and some of the things we do, and sometimes it's tongue-in-cheek, and sometimes we'll leave out something that someone doesn't want to hear about or something. And and I don't know, for the longest time, I guess I just was able to blow that off, you know, but now that I'm kind of in the in the pilot's chair there at, at Starkville's House of L, it really gets to you, and I know that Jason and Jimmy Mack catch some catch some guff from some people about some of the things they say or some of the opinions they have and to continue to put out a quality show on a weekly basis the way they do if you're a star wars fan again if you're not listening to force cast i don't know why i don't know why if you're a star wars fan you'd listen to me and not them because they are they do an outstanding job and i just can't thank them enough for being on the show um this one comes from Brian. He said, it all started here, for real. Hey, Steve, just got done listening to your interview you did with Jason and Jimmy Mac. Quality stuff. It was so much fun listening to you guys, just having a good time, and laugh at the quips of podcasting and sharing the love of the wars together. Good stuff. At any rate, I just want to let you know, you've said several times on your podcast and on others that people find out about you on other mediums, such as Shoe or Skynex, and then come over to Geek Out Loud but I just want to let you know I've been listening from the beginning and it all started here on Geek Out Loud, unlike some others. Thank you so much. I stumbled, literally, not not the internet medium, across your podcast. <laughs> what? Across your podcast and started listening. And from there, I've branched out and listened to the Now on Hiatus Skynex podcast, the Force cast, and through your contagious energy and enthusiasm, tapping not just into my love of Star Wars, but my interest in Superman, it has rekindled my spark. I left off with my interest in Smallville dwindling after the first season and a half when it seemed to be getting very soap opera-ish, but as I heard you recapping slash spoiling seasons four, three, four, five, six, seven on your show and tidbits here and there, it has piqued my interest enough to draw me into Starkville's House of L. So after I watch the last five seasons, I'll begin the exciting task of beginning the adventure for my listening pleasure of inviting Shu into my iPod and thus expanding my plethora of commuting audio goodness. Well, I will go ahead and warn you about Starkville's House of L. I didn't come on until a couple of episodes into season seven. So you've got a full season's worth of TV with some other guys who did a better job than I ever hoped to do there. Um, that is awesome, though. I cannot believe that you listened to me before you listened to the Force cast. That's crazy. Brian, Geek of the Week right there, Brian. Um, he says, don't sweat the release of the next Geek Out Loud uh, after you had hoped, or much later than projected, that you have a real life too, and from that real life stems all the energy and love you have for all things you bring to the podcast. Without real life, you would have nothing to talk about on your, on your show. Okay, well, you still come up with something, but it wouldn't have the same insatiable appetite for all 
for life and all things geek that it does otherwise. So take your time, and when you get them out, we, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, you are indeed the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, will be waiting. After all, good things come to those who wait. Unless you subscribe to Skynex, and then waiting comes to those who wait. That's true. Uh, <laughs> waiting comes to those who wait. Keep up the great work. It is always a pleasure to, I think, the subtitle of your, your play... Uh, I think the subtitle should be your safe place to geek out and your safe place to laugh out loud, whether at work, in random public place, or at home, or whatever. Listening and loving it. And that's from Brian up in Pittsburgh. And he says, I don't know Bob, but kudos to his idea for the Force Cast campaign. <laughs> Brian, Bob, you ought to hook up, meet each other, hang out. It should be fun. Um, thanks, Brian. That's cool. Thanks. That really, that's a big deal that you listen to this before you listen to, um, to, uh, to, to the force cast that's a big deal um drew writes in he says haven't been around for a while but i really loved your last few episodes with your guest host i was wondering if you'd seen Watchmen yet i know you've talked a little about it a little in past episodes it was a little darker than most of the stuff you cover but i truly consider it some incredible literature I'm also wondering if you like mass effect it has wondered it has robbed many hours of sleep just just wondering how you liked it uh, to add a few film scores to the incredible growing list of goal of the goal score extravaganza, these are a little softer core, but even more powerful in their own way. Gattaca, uh, truly the definition of the hidden gem in film scores. It was composed by Michael Nyman, and it's a masterpiece. Sweet Hereafter by Michael Dana. It has great, almost tribal feeling to it. And Solaris by Cliff Martinez, another great moody soundtrack. Anyhow, thank you for your hard work, and I'm glad you got to talk to the Forcecast folks. It was fun for me, so I'm guessing it was fun for you, your Canadian friend, Drew. Uh, Drew, you are a great Canadian friend, and he is uh, MIB in training over on the forums. And if you don't check out his late-night random thoughts, you are missing a treat over at geekoutpodcast.com uh, slash forums. Um, I can't remember if I talked about Watchmen last episode or not, so here's what I need someone to do. Remind me. Just email in and remind me if I if I if I've done the Watchmen talk yet. Uh, I think I did though, so we'll move on. Hadn't really played Mass Effect yet. I'm I'm working my way through uh, Bioshock right now. I'm behind on all the gaming stuff. I'm I'm not a good gamer. I'm not I'm not a good one at all. So uh, let's see a couple more here before we jump into Ashley Miller. <clears throat> this comes from. Um, Logan she says Steve hey hadn't talked to you in a while hope you're doing well I'm not sure if I've emailed you about this before but the latest Geek Out Loud episode reminded me of this back when you start, when you talked about movie scores I remember thinking I should email you about one of my favorite scores and I doubt you'll be surprised when I tell you what it is Graham Revels Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie score now this is the score uh, this is this score is not particularly innovative but I absolutely adore it now this is not the the soundtrack to the movie that included Van Halen and Shampoo and that sort of thing. This is the score. Uh, I absolutely adore it. Particularly the tracks Journey to the Plateau and Summoning the Ninjetti. Sounds like a combination of two of my other favorite scores, Star Wars and Jurassic Park. Summoning the Ninjetti. The word Ninjetti makes me think of the Hillbilly Ninja. If you haven't seen the Hillbilly Ninja, please do. Uh, you can go to YouTube and, um, and find... The, the Hillbilly Ninja just by searching for Hillbilly Ninja and he has a little assistant that he call, <laughs> that he calls his Ninjetti and uh, and he talks about you got your karate chop your Judy chop and your ninja chop right there and I'm going to get my Ninjetti out here 
you need to go check it out. It, it's worth it's worth checking out um, if you want a good laugh at the expense of Southerners and rednecks. Um, she goes on to say it was indefinitely to track. It was insanely difficult to track down on CD, though. I kept finding the motion picture soundtrack, which is also very good since it includes artists like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Van Halen, but I was stoked when I finally found it. Anyway, just thought I'd share that thought with you. Best wishes, Logan. Let me give Logan a plug. Logan is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. She does a Bones podcast. Uh, you can find it's called... Um, what is the Bones Podcast? Oh my gosh, she's going to kill me for not remembering what the Bones Podcast is called. Oh my lanta. Um, how can I not remember what the Bones called? Quick, Logan, tell me what... Squint Squad. Got it. She does Squint Squad uh, with our friend Crystal, uh, Bones Podcast, uh, the Fox television show Bones. And now she's struck out on her own and she's doing the Canary Cast. Um, the Canary Cast is her own solo project, and it's all about uh, female superheroes and, or, or, or in females in this medium of, of science fiction and stuff that we all love so much. So if you haven't listened, you should, um, if, especially if you're a chick. She likes chick things. It's just her. And encourage her to, you know, encourage her to keep going. Logan's, uh, Logan's cool. She, she's got a great... Uh, personality she's really fun and um and it's always good to hear from her so logan thank you for emailing and uh hope you enjoy uh hope you enjoy your little power ranger stuff there everyone's i can't really dog the power rangers though because i did like the mighty Morphin variety of the power rangers even as a senior in high school and finally i have to read this just because um well, I just have to read this. It comes from our good friend Jimmy Mack, and he says, Love the latest goal. Thanks for the plugs. You do a fantastic job with goal. Anytime you feel like you don't have material for a show, all you got to do is read through your emails. That in itself is entertaining. My son Michael just got his first iPod, and goal is a show that I would encourage him to listen to. Love your enthusiasm, integrity, and style. Plus, you're not afraid to act like a goof, which is a quality I embrace. Good stuff. And that comes from... Jimmy Mac and and I emailed him back saying thanks. I, I thought it was high praise. He said he's a fan. And Jimmy Mac, I got to tell you, I don't have fans. I have listeners. So if you're going to be on, if you're going to be part of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, Jimmy Mac, you got to know the uh, the lingo. And we don't have fans here. I don't have fans. I'm not worthy of fans. You guys have fans over at the Forcecast. Come on, I have listeners. And he says, don't make us wait so long for the next app. Um, so, uh, Jimmy Mac, thanks. Listen, anytime you hear from Jimmy Mac, and he just, that was not me seeking him out, saying, hey, give me some praise. It was just, Jimmy Mac endorses this podcast, and I couldn't be more thrilled. So, there it is. I said it. There you go. Um, so, there, that's our emails for this, 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 uh, this particular portion of the episode. I know we still have tons. I still have so, I'm looking through my emails right now, and I still have so many that I have to get to. So, we don't really have time right now. Keep them coming. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. And really, and now, uh, I guess the best thing I can do is just let's get into this interview with our friend Ashley Miller.
Well, I'm excited to have on the show today. Uh, I, I consider him a friend of the show that Derek and I did for the Sarah Connor Chronicles Sky Next. Um, he's been on with Derek, and they talked for a while. And uh, and I just couldn't help but get him. As is my custom with anyone that comes on Sky Next, I try to get him over here on Geek Out Loud. And so I figured I would. Uh, we did it with Brian, and so now we're doing it with this guy, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to welcome to the show Ashley Miller. Ashley, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Well, you're a new dad. Congratulations on that. Thank we, you. We've talked a little bit about that already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, yeah, we're we're pretty sure now that that I'm probably the father. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, what uh, you you missed Comic Con to have a baby? Oh, I did. And that you were, and you were uh, tweeting up a storm about that. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? It was kind of my uh, my virtual Comic Con. Um, you know, every year that I have gone to Comic Con, and, and by the way, I've been going to conventions since I was, I want to say, like 12 years old. Um, every year that I've gone to Comic Con since the year 2000, something weird and amazing and freaky has happened to me. <laughs> and uh, and this year, on the first day of Comic Con, my wife blew out a kid. So <laughs> that's weird. You have such a grasp of the English language, sir. I mean, I can tell, just by talking to you, you can tell you're a writer. She blew out a kid. No, <laughs> <laughs> who saw that coming, right? That's right. Well, what hey, was honey, so... what's that? Well, what... know, I think I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> what was so great about the event to me is I was sitting here in Georgia in front of my computer, I'm watching uh, Derek from, and you've talked, like I we said, you've talked to Derek, and everyone that knows me knows Derek is my podcasting partner for life, and um, and he was tweeting, and, and then some other friends of mine that were at Comic-Con were tweeting, and I'm just sitting here thinking, I should have gone, I should have gone, and here comes your tweets, running to the <laughs> hospital, going to have a baby, all this, and then Josh Friedman starts tweeting at you a little bit about some stuff, and and I'm like, this guy's wife is in labor, and, and I could just see you sitting there with an iPhone or BlackBerry or whatever, just going to t- oh, babe, look what he wrote, look what he wrote. That's funny, you know. Thank God I didn't video block it, right? <laughs> um, what one of the things, and the way that we got to know you, I say we being Derek and I from Skynext, was your work with Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles, the now um, sadly canceled show uh had its last season this past year this past television year um not to start out on a downer or really talk you know negatively but what is it like to be working on a show that is so well received by its viewing audience and and to have because i felt like toward the end there there was a glimmer of hope that we may get at least you know a pickup of nine to thirteen episodes and uh and then just boom it's gone i mean what were you in all kinds of distress? Did that just crush your spirits, or were you like, all right, we'll move on to the next thing? You know, it, it's funny. Um, it, it definitely wasn't, oh, well, well, we'll move on to the next thing. Uh, right. You know, I, I think I speak for Zach, too. I mean, that, working on Terminator was one of the great working experiences of our, uh, of our Hollywood careers, just on, on, on almost every level, uh, just from the people that we were working with. Um, just how much fun it was to go to work every day yeah. uh, to be working on, on a franchise that we both dearly love. I mean, love. Um, you know, and the fact that Josh uh, really created an environment where you know you're you're encouraged to be creative and you're encouraged to be smart. 
Um, and it's funny because Josh used to say about the show, we're going to make great television until they make us stop. <laughs> and, you know, what a great philosophy. You know, yeah, there was never yeah. a moment where we said, hey, let's just kind of make this suck just a little bit to jump yeah. the numbers, you know, 10%. <laughs> right, right. That, that never happened. Um, you know, we just made it suck a little bit purely, you know, uh, you know, of our own volition. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, that was, that was just us sucking. Um, no, you know, and it was definitely, it was definitely sad. I mean, I, I miss working with all those guys. I, I miss working on the show. But by the same token, um, I feel like, A, you know, we left them wanting more. And, yeah. and what a yeah. great way to go out with any show. Yeah. Um, B, that, you know, what we did, the, the body of work, is something that we can be immensely proud of. And, and your chances to do that in this town are, are just so few and far between, just because there's so many odds that are stacked against you uh, in doing anything that's truly great. And I feel like we did something that was truly great, and, and nobody expected it to be great. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not... Obviously, I'm not happy that it's over. But, sure. You know, but I'm. I feel good about where we ended up. Yeah. I wouldn't. Well, you know, I I said several times on the show that Derek and I were doing, and and I've said it even on my show that that Terminator was the most well written television show on 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 TV. I mean, it was it was just if there was nothing else going for the show that week when it was on or a particular episode the writing was solid and and of course there was always other things going on with the show i mean you had an incredible group of actors you had you could just tell the passion that people had for the show that were working on it you you know it was it was it was a thing where you could tell the people involved genuinely enjoyed what they were doing and um and and it was something and you said no one expected it and i was one of those no ones that expected it because i really did think what are we going to get like a team on steroids is that what it's going to be and you know with robots and and it wasn't it completely blew me away the just the the thought that was put into every single episode you guys drew a lot from other literary works a lot of times we had a professor at a college that listened to our show Skynex that would write into us on a regular basis and say well this is a reference to this this is a reference to this and sometimes they'd be pretty overt you know shakespearean type references and then other times they'd be real obscure uh literary references was that intentional on you guys part or is that just something that flows from the the nature of writing and and that sort of thing you know honestly i think in the moments when uh you kind of find yourself overtly making those references and kind of doing it um, because you can, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like you're making a mistake. Um, yeah. It's uh, you're kind of going, "Hey, look, I can write." And <laughs> you know, the the things that come out naturally are the things you know that that are great. They're things that are that, that work. And I think you know, Josh was really good um, about detecting when those things uh, were there because they were organic to the product, and you know when. They were there because, you know, somebody was demonstrating, you know, how smart or learned uh, they were. Um, it, you know, so it's just, it was an organic part of the process. You know, yeah. you, you kind of write the things that, that you know, and, and you know, your, your writing is informed by what you've read and by what you've consumed, and so that's kind of how that worked out. Yeah. Well, how did, you, how did you find yourself in the whole writing business, in the whole writing gig? You and, you and Zach work a lot together. Um, how did you get into not just, I guess, screenwriting, but I mean, is this something that's always been a passion of yours? Oh wow, man! You know what? It's funny. It, um, I'm going to talk about my kid here for a second. Okay. Uh, you know, it's uh, 
had my kid and, you know, called my mom. And the, the, the miracle of the Internet, you know, she sees a picture like two minutes later. Not the sure. one where he's all purple and weird. And <laughs> covered, but, um, you know, one where he looks kind of cute. And yeah. uh, it was definitely cute because she says that he looks like me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, she's like, oh, it's a little you. It's a little you. And, and honestly, I think my writing career started, you know, that day. Like the, the day I, I popped out, um, you know, my mom – um, look, everybody, you know, has a love-hate relationship with their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I can say about, you know, mine is that from a very young age, she sat with me. She read to me constantly. My dad read to me constantly. When I started talking, I would start telling stories. I would march around the kitchen, and I would dictate stories, and they would write them down. Um, when I was in elementary school, sometimes I would just come home and I would sit in my room and I would read and I would sit on a little pad and I would write stories. Um, I had, when I was in middle school and high school, I would just come home sometimes and it would just be writing time. It was hmm. just for me. Um, so, uh, you know, I've been writing, uh, my entire life. I, I don't know how to do, I mean, I, I know how to do other things. For example, you know, I can bathe myself and all that other stuff, but, uh, <laughs> Occasionally, when I'm eating pizza, you know, I hit my mouth and not my face. But you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to do anything else. I, I don't know how to want to do anything else. Yeah, well, that's cool. And so, so you're living, you're you're living the dream. Then you're doing that thing that it's like I can't believe I get paid to do what I'm doing. Absolutely, yeah. and it's funny um, because for a long time, you know, I really wasn't, even though uh, you know, I was, I was still writing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I first started writing with Zach, you know, I was still living out in uh, in the Washington D.C. suburbs, and I was doing another job. And I, I remember one day, you know, and it's again, it comes back to the kids. It's so weird. Um, you, you know, we had a little scare where we thought we uh, we were we were going to have a, a little friend uh, join Team Miller. Um, <laughs> and my <laughs> my wife told me about it. I was like. Because I flashed forward 15 years, and I imagined myself having a conversation with this kid, you know, where the kid says, gee, Dad, when you were my age, what did you want to be when you grew up? And, uh, and I imagined myself saying, well, I wanted to be a writer, but I ended up doing this. Well, why? Well, because, frankly, your dad never had the testicles to go and give it a shot. Um, <laughs> and I didn't want to be that guy, you know. Right. Um, so a couple years later, you know, I just had a... Sort of a, a moment of clarity, and I just kind of, you know, sat down with my wife and we went to dinner. And I said, "Honey, I think things are happening. I think they are going to happen. This is a thing that I want to do." Um, and when it happens, you know, I absolutely want you, you know, to be with me and be a part of that. But if I don't, then I'm not somebody I think you're going to want to be with, you know. And she looked like, "Duh, idiot!" You know, when I married you in college. I thought I was marrying a writer, so hmm. cool, rock on. Yeah. Um, so it all worked out. Well, cool. That's what you you mentioned reading and writing as a kid. What are some of your favorite things that you that you read as a child that you that have kind of stuck with you till all the way through to today? Oh my God! You know, it's funny. I'm I'm reading some of them now to the to the kid. Um, like uh, just the other day, we were reading him The Velveteen Rabbit, oh, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, his, his mommy was made the mistake of attempting to read it. Mommies should not read Velveteen <laughs> Rabbit to their little boy. Because it kind of went like this. And then the uh, 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 uh. I'm like, you know what? Give me the book. Let, you know, let a man uh, read this thing. Let a man 
treat this book, my little boy, this rabbit, this cereal. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, I mean, I love that book. And it's funny. The thing that's great about that book, right, um, is it's this beautiful little love story, but it's sad. And it doesn't quite have a happy ending. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's not like, and then the Velveteen Rabbit caught on fire and was destroyed. It, it, it's not like that. You know, it's uh, the little boy and the Velveteen Rabbit are, are taking apart for circumstances that neither of them can control. Um, but what they had together made the Velveteen Rabbit real because he was loved. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's still that, that moment that's, uh, that's between them. And, and in a lot of ways, I look back on it and go, wow, you know, that has informed as a story so much uh, of, of what I've written hmm. and what I've worked on. I, I think there's, a, this is going to sound weird, I think there's a lot of Velveteen Rabbit in, uh, in Sarah Connor. Oh, sure, yeah, I know? can see that. But, That's uh, yeah, you know, it's just there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Now, this this show is Geek Out Loud. We focus a lot on on the area of the geek geek type stuff. Were you ever into comic books or, or sci fi? I'm Was sure you I, were. Yeah. I ever into comic books? Let me tell you something, my friend. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give you a number. Okay. Uh, the number is 150. Mm-hmm. Um, 150 is the amount of dollars I spend every month on comedy books. Wow. Um, I have, uh, I'm still, you know, going to the same guy, you know, I, I used to go to when I was in college, he packs them up, he ships them out to me. I know that I'm going to get everything that I, that I need. Um, he suggests things that I like, you know, it's a great relationship. I, I've been reading comics forever. Um, you know, I remember when I started collecting them, I, I think it was, uh, it was an issue of uh, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just missed it. It's funny because there was this issue of the Avengers, you know, and um, there was this issue of X-Men. And I had enough money for one. And the X-Men issue was, you know, welcome to the X-Men, you know, uh, Rogue. And I'm like, in retrospect, I wish that I had <laughs> bought that. Um, but no, I mean, I had this amazing collection. In high school, a friend and I, you know, because we got sick of, of dealing with comic book stores because mm-hmm. they were invariably run, for the most part, uh, by guys who simply were not very good businessmen, um, and we couldn't quite get what we wanted. We decided that we were going to get the uh, diamond distribution list. Nice. And we went to all our friends, and we got orders from all of them. Oh, wow. We turned ourselves essentially into a little underground retailer, you know, and we just kind of bought comics off the diamond list and, oh, wow. uh, and sold them. So, yeah, I mean, did that in high school. What are you What are you um, reading right now that you're that you're digging on comic book wise? Um, oh man, all kinds of stuff. You know, the uh, the big thing, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I had gotten away from uh, from Marvel mm-hmm. um, for a very long time. I think I kind of fell out of love uh, with the X Men uh, when I realized that the universe is kind of expanding out of control, and I right. just sort of no longer got it. Um, you know, but I, you know, recently rediscovered, like, you know, the, the Avengers, new yeah. Avengers, you know, yeah. I, I, I kind of love, uh, you know, what Brian Michael Bendis does, I, I, I kind of love his dialogue, and there's, there's some fanboys who kind of love to, uh, to give him, you know, crap, but it's like, sure. you know what, hater, <laughs> you know what, the guy <laughs> is awesome, the guy is awesome, those characters are so great. You know, and it's, I don't mind reading pages of conversation, uh, you know, when the dialogue is that fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like, uh, and I like, uh, Straczynski's run on, uh, on Thor. 
Um, I'm just starting now. I'm a little bit behind because I just got my, my shipments come about a month or two uh, a month or two back of, of where the current uh, releases are. But I'm just starting into Blackest Night, which is pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a uh, I'm not a fan of uh, the death of Captain America, but I thought that that storyline was handled really well. Oh sure. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm not a fan of the quote unquote death of Batman, mm-hmm. but I kind of like the new Batman and Robin title, although I think that, you know, Damien is just kind of a little douchebag, and I think he's going to give away Jason Todd, but uh, except without the uh, the 800 number. Um, <laughs> right. They've, it's predetermined before there's a 900 number set up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're done with Damien, yeah. Yeah, I, well, that's the thing, is, is one thing that both of the big two have been doing so well lately is... Um, and I say lately, meaning in the past couple of years, is they give you something that you don't think you're going to like, and and they just put some of their best people on it, and it and it turns out some great stories. Um, okay. I, I think you know not just the death of Captain America, uh, which everyone received so well, but after Infinite Crisis was over and Wally West had died, um, and Bart Allen took up the mantle of the Fla- uh, the mantle of the Flash. I mean, yep. people were really digging on this thing, and they were hating it at first, and then. When issue 13 comes around and Bart dies, you know, people were up in arms. They're like, we just learned to love this guy. What are you doing to yeah. us? Um, so they've, they've really, uh, Bendis and Marvel, Johns over in D.C. are just, seem to be kicking on all four cylinders right now. Oh, they absolutely me. are. I'll tell you what else I think is great. Uh, Matt Fraction. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm loving Iron Man. And I'll tell you what, the, his little miniseries that he did for Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, was just great, great stuff. Just really incredibly well written. Which one? Which miniseries for Thor did he write? I'm not. I'm not uh, able to get like, comics you know, like I'd like to. I'm Ages of Thunder and Man of Blood. Okay. I'm, probably, I'm messing up the titles now right. because wasn't like one through four. His titles each had their own title. Okay. Um, yeah. Essentially, they were like Norse myths about. Yes. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, I picked up the awesome. first. I think I, I was able to get the first one. And I really, I do, I do remember liking it. I haven't gone back to look at it too much. I, I do remember, like, my comic book collecting right now is just so wonky with everything. I, I'm an hour and a half away from the nearest comic shop, and all the mail order services I find just haven't worked out for me. So working on working on keeping the comic stuff going. Have you, um, who are some of your favorite, I mean, you mentioned Fraction, you mentioned uh, Straczynski, of course, Bendis. Are you more of a Marvel guy then? No, I'm really, I'm really not. Um, you know, and, and there are things that that I love about uh, both universes. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you put a gun to my head and you said, you know, who's your favorite character? It, it'd be zero contest. I'd just go Batman. No <laughs> question. Okay. Without a second thought, I would say Batman. Um, you know, and, and I think that uh, it, it just look, it goes in cycles, right? Because Back in the in the eighties, back in you know when dinosaurs walked the earth, right? Uh, you know, and we had like the advent of, of X Men and New Mutants, um, which was brilliant, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had all we had Walt Simonson on Thor. And, oh yeah, you know, yeah. You know, Marvel was just kicking ass. Yeah, and there was some stuff happening over in DC, but DC didn't figure out what it was until Crisis on Infinite Earths, and yep. after that, and you know, I got everything. I was completely into DC. I loved like all of like the revivals and the and the and the reinventions, and that was 
obviously it wasn't at the exact same time that I think X-Men kind of lost its way, but uh, it, there was a bit of an overlap. Um, so I've kind of bopped back and forth mm-hmm. you know, in what I'm, I'm reading more. Um, and honestly, I'm just, I'll pick up something, you know, almost anything just written by somebody who's, who's writing I admire. Yeah. yeah. A great story is a great story. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree. Well, you know, usually, though, in us comic collector circles, things come down. You have to come down on one side or the other. It's 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 rare that you hear one say, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm well either way. I'll go either way. Uh, just depend on who's right." Um, <laughs> comical. Now, have you have you ever wanted to dip your toe into that whole aspect of writing, writing for a, a comic series? Oh yeah, absolutely, um, and, and did kind of, um, you know, about four years ago. It just seems so long ago. Uh, I put together a, uh, a comic book project. One of my friends uh, with the, the Deep Pockets published it. Uh, two of my friends who were writers kind of had the idea. Um, I, I basically got anointed editor uh, to help <laughs> these guys kind of bring it along. It was called Living in Infamy. Um, and the writers were Ben Rapp, uh, who was an assistant editor at, at Marvel for a long time. He did, a, he did like a 12 or 13 issue run on Green Lantern, um, you know, just, just before Hal uh, uh, Jordan came back. Um, you know, and uh, and my good friend Derek Hughes is actually in right now. He might be, uh, you know, wrote the thing. It was just, it was really great. It was a lot of fun to work on. And um, it was, I think it is still the most expensive independent comic uh, ever published. You know, it oh, got wow. really good notices. Um, you know, and we haven't moved forward with anything on that. And someday I'd like to get back to that. But, you know, it, it really kind of gave me a bug for it. I would love to write comics. Yeah, uh, it's a very different medium. People think that oh, you, you know, write comic books, you can write a movie. No, you know, or you write, you know, a movie or TV. You know how to write a comic book. You don't. Uh, you know, it's like the difference between writing a haiku and a grocery list. It's just, they're not the same thing. <laughs> do you ever write your grocery list as a haiku, Ashley? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, we. <laughs> I must get the milk now. My cereal is dry. <laughs> So, what am I eating? I don't know. <laughs> you do a you do a lot of writing. I guess most of your writing, if not all of it, with Zach. With you, uh, kind of y'all, you guys partner up on things. How does that? What is that process like? How does that work? Um, two writers enter, one writer leaves. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? Um, we actually we met on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh. And when we first started writing together, all the collaboration was about planning, right? So, uh, you know, we would plan like it was the invasion of Poland. And, uh, you know, we would have outlines very detailed. We would split things up and we would put them back together. We would have very long phone conferences, these very long, detailed email chains. Um, and, you know, it, when we finally had a draft together, we would pass it back and forth during polishes and rewrites and all that until we were happy. And, you know, we came up, you know, with two rules that uh, helped us manage it. One, the first one was story is boss. You know, it's not me, it's not him, it's the story. Um, and the second rule that was in support of the first was the first writer proposes, the second writer disposes. Hmm. On the theory that the second writer is going to be more capable of identifying, you know, a bullshit darling and right. than the first writer, which, by the way, is true about 99% of the time. Hmm. Um, and that served us really well, and that's how we've always done it. We are not 
sit in the room together and kind of, you know, try dialogue out and all that other shit. That that was an insulin. Um, you know, we, we still, you know, plan like crazy and we still set things up and we still pass things back and forth. Yeah. And we're fast. <laughs> now, do you... Uh... Could you go off on your own? Do you think now? I mean, is this something, or is or is this something you found that that just works best for you? Or you know, here's the thing. It's like saying, okay, so um, you've been happily married for the last ten years, right? Have you ever thought about nothing? You know, it's just <laughs> well, okay. You know, it's just it's it's like that. It's like you're just sure. kind of you're in a relationship. You know, your your needs are getting met. It's, it, I'm creatively satisfied by that relationship and the, the great thing about working with Zach has been um, that it, we're interested in the same things mm-hmm. and you know we are interested in each other's muse and kind of what we both uh, individually bring to the table and what we bring to the table corporately um, it is it's fun you know and it's fulfilling and you know I just I, I simply I don't know I mean sure could I of course you know could he of course you know, but we choose not to because we're just we're having a great time. Well, what um, what what is? Have there been any movies that have come out, any TV shows that have come on in the past? I don't know, year or so that you're like, I wish I would have gotten to write that. Wish I'd have been a part of that. Oh, dude! I mean, so many. Uh, let's see. I I would I would. And by the way, I love the movie. Um, I would love to have written Star Trek just because I'm a gigantic Star Trek geek. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek. When, uh, when I was a kid, my brother actually introduced me to it. He was six years older than I was, and uh, he was just, dude, he was like, I don't think he ever slept, right? Because this guy <laughs> would constantly take apart, like, my electric cars and build machines. And, and he made Starfleet uniforms. Oh, wow. Scrap. He made one, and I was an engineer. And he wrote up an oath, uh, you know, to be part of the Star Trek club. And part of my oath, I remember this to this day, was that, if I detected the presence of any Klingon or Rockland clubs, I was not to engage them. I was to report them to Starfleet Command. I, and you know what? I was on the lookout. Uh, I was three. <laughs> you know, thinking, where are the Klingons? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's my life. Oh, man. So you're a tra- i got to end this conversation if you're a Trekkie, dude. Oh, no. I, I can't. I'm, I, my, my tagline for my show is, it's Geek Out Loud. It's your safe place to geek out. And then in parentheses is unless you're a Trekkie, <laughs> <laughs> or or a Twilight fan. So <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm with you on that one. <laughs> no, no, start, on start. One. No, that. Listen, Abrams Star Trek was actually pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I really, I I had a blast with that thing. I, I I like Star Trek. I'm I'm just more of a Star Wars guy. So um, yeah. Oh yeah, me too. So uh, I love Star Wars. Yeah. I love both Star Wars movies. Yeah. Both Star Wars movies. Um, what I, I want to ask you, and I, I know you can't say much about it. You you've, you kind of mentioned reading Straczynski's run on it. You mentioned Simonson's run on it back in the eighties. You you've been tapped to uh, you and Zach and have been tapped to uh, to tackle the Thor script for for Marvel Studios coming up. Um, have you guys started working on that? You throwing ideas around? How's that coming for you? Yeah, I mean, we actually we turned in. We did five. Maybe six mm-hmm. drafts of that. Uh, we turned in uh, the last one just before we started on uh, on French. Um, that's been an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, it was totally great. Working with Marvel is absolutely great. Everything that you hear John Favreau say about working with Marvel is 100% 
through. Um, you know, it's it's this great uh, working with Ken, uh, who is amazing and smart. Uh, you know, and as Zach so wisely put it, uh, well, you know, his last two collaborators were a Nobel Prize winner and the greatest writer who ever lived. So no pressure. <laughs> so um, right, so. yeah. <laughs> so you uh. I mean, anything you can tell us about it at all? Um, yeah, I can tell you that it's, you know, in the neighborhood of 110 to 120 pages long. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, that it is punctuated extremely well. The commas, yes, are, awesome. you, the commas are freaking immaculate. Yes. I almost dropped the F-bonnet in. Well, um, good. Well, you'll, if you... Okay. All right. Well, people people on our forums will be glad to know that because I'm very I'm very peculiar about particular about people punctuating correctly. Um, yeah. What about the story aspect? Anything you can throw our way? Any bones? Any yeah, bones it's, you can throw it's got a story. Awesome. Um, awesome. Involves yeah, involves you know, Thor. One of the first decisions that was made. Um, <laughs> you know, Ken came in and sat down. He says, "You know, it's very important to me that this movie have a story." And okay, we're like, "You yes. know what? You're right. That's, Let's give it one." Good night. That's. That's such an awesome look into the into the realm of movie making, sir. Yeah. Oh, so, you wouldn't believe. You know what though? The funny thing is, oh my I mean, God, <laughs> how often that that conversation does not happen. <laughs> if it's a Michael Bay movie, he comes in and says, "I want an explosion." <laughs> now make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <clears throat> um. Well, you know, because there's just been a lot said about it. And I'm, 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 I have to try to get a little bit out of you. There's been a lot said about how much is going to be on Asgard, how much is going to be in Midgard, how much is going to, you know, how much of the supporting cast is there. I mean, um, come on. Yeah, you know, I mean, well. Well, we know Loki's in it. He's been cast. Yep, yep. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, definitely uh, Loki is in it, and Loki is an important, very important part mm-hmm. of, uh, of the story of the movie. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not a secret that it takes place partly in Asgard and, and partly here. Um, you know, and it's, you know, it's not like, hey, Thor takes his first trip to the mall. I mean, it's right. some, some big stuff happens. Cool. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I guess, you know, what I would say about it is that, look, uh, I, I come to it uh, is a huge Thor fan. Um, if you put a gun to my head and said, look, if Batman were not in the picture, uh, who's your second favorite superhero? Thor. Mm. Uh, I, I've got the whole Walt well, Simonson run. You know, I love Bader, Ray Bill. You know, it's like, yeah. all of that stuff. I mean, I, I, and obviously it would be kind of tough to fit Bader, Ray Bill in a movie, but, uh, sure, sure. you know, all of those things inform um, what's in it. So, you know, if you have loved Thor for as long as I have, there will probably be something in the movie that you go, oh, I completely remember that. I get that. I know what that is. Um, you know, because we were, you know, there's a, there's a history involved. We were taking advantage of it. You know, and it's, it's, I don't think we were going at a checklist and saying, that, oh, we need to refer to this thing and that thing and this other thing. Um, but those things just emerge uh, organically in the in the story, yeah. um, you know, and as with everything else, you know, I, I think that for Zach and I, when we approach any script, whether it's movie or it's TV, it's you know, it's it's character first. Um, you know, it's it, we like to put the character in extremis. Um, you know, we like to kick the crap out of characters. Hmm. Um, we like it 
uh, when things happen that just, you know, can be crushing, but at the same time are, are kind of uplifting. Again, it, I think it kind of gets back to the Velveteen Rabbit, although that version of Thor would be um, used beyond belief on it. You'd have to use a little frog. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely, the Velveteen Frog. You know, you were real because you grabbed the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Did um did you draw more? I guess you drew then more from the Marvel comic side of things and just the straight Norse mythology, which I, I know they're rather I don't say close because it's such a different. It's almost sci-fi fantasy with the Marvel comics, but um, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, there's a there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of both. Obviously, there's a lot of the, the Marvel mm-hmm. mythology and and all that is in there, um, and that's that's what the movie is. Um, you know, but the the Norse mythology aspects of it uh, are, are also, you know, that, that also informs what we're talking about. Because I mean, there's a there's a reason why, you know, Stan Lee created the character the way he did. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you go back and you look at the tale of that, obviously he's not Mr. Norse myths, but there's power in this thing. Right. Um, you know, those are great stories, and they're they're fun, and they're big, and uh, so yeah, it's all there. Did you find yourself constrained at all by by Marvel's desire to to push toward this Avengers movie, introducing oh, these characters? No. Okay. Not in any way, shape, or form. Um, because look, here's the deal: um, Thor has to exist, whether or not the Avengers movie is out there. Mm-hmm. Right? He has to exist uh, in a specific universe, in a specific world, and when you put him in a world where eventually he has to be a part of the Avengers movie. You're, you're putting him in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And once you're there, uh, you kind of understand you know, what ground your character is standing on uh, dramatically. It's actually easier to write. Okay. Um, because you, 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 just, you know what the environment is. Uh, you're not kind of looking over your shoulder going, does that make any goddamn sense <laughs> to anybody? It, it, just, it, it all kind of works. You no, know, it was actually very freeing. It was, and it was so much fun. Well, good, cool, cool, and and so this is um, so this is yet another confirmation that Marvel's working toward that Avengers movie. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that is probably the least well kept secret in Hollywood. Indeed, um, indeed. I, I can neither confirm or deny that any they... Avengers movie will ever happen ever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, real quick, someone we've got listeners out there. I, I've got several listeners who write in and they tell me, you know, I'm a writer. I do this, I, you know, and the, I'm I'm doing this, but I'm a writer, or I want to be a writer. I'm working toward this. What is what is your advice to people who these these people who are coming up and, and wanting to get into whether it be writing for television and movies and entertainment, or just writing, uh, you know, novels and, and or biographies, or just writing in general? What what would your advice be to those people? Um, boy, where do I start? Uh, I think I will start. Uh, with the best two-word advice I got, and this is actually um, before uh, I managed to, to find my way out here. One of my, my friends, actually, one of my, my very best friends, like going back to high school, uh, uh, you know, got uh, Neil Gaiman to uh, to sign his copy of American Gods, and and he got me to sign one for me too, and and said, "Hey, my friend is a writer. Can you give him some advice?" You know, and so what Neil was finish things. Hmm. Great advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, beyond that, I would say this. If you ever hear yourself say the words, I want to be a writer, I am trying to be a writer, then you're not. And I'm not even, like, you know, kicking it out, like, you know, saying fortune for people. I'm just saying it. Um, If you're not sitting down every day 
whether you have the time to do it or not, uh, and writing, you know, and working on your craft, and writing because you love it, and writing things that you love, you know, and that's your first priority, then you are not a writer. Um, you know, before I, I came out here, uh, you know, I worked uh, for, for, you know, a good nine years in the world. You know, I was a, I was a teacher, middle school, um, and then, you know, I had a very eclectic uh, career after that. Uh, and, you know, I was doing things like I was working at my job uh, before I got hired on Andromeda. I was working a good 60 to 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, uh, I was also writing 30 hours a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's what I wanted to do. And if you're not doing that, who are you fooling? Who are you fooling? You know, even if, you know, if you can sit down an hour a day, just an hour and write, if you're doing every day, you know, okay, you're a writer. You know, if you're not, if you're going, uh, I don't have time today, or uh, I don't have an idea yet, you're not. Um, you know, the other thing I would say is that a lot of writers will tell you that they get, uh, you know, they get messed up by writer's block. Um, okay, let me let you in on a little secret about writer's block. Okay doesn't exist. It's not real. It is not real. It's an excuse. Um, You know, the way that you get past writer's block, number one, or to master it, to get to the understanding that it does not exist, uh, is to plan. You know, is to sit down and and think about what it is that that you're going to write. You know, and when when you write, you just accept the fact that, A, it's not always going to be perfect. You just write it. You just let it go. B, if your characters are on the page and they exist and they're real to you and they are real on the page, they don't need you. Hmm. They don't need you to figure out how the fucking scene ends. They already know. They're going to tell you. You just have to let them. You know, you do all that. You write one scene at a time. You, know, you write one page at a time, one chapter at a time, whatever works for you. You know, and you're good. And you just have to go the idea that it, it needs to be perfect. You know, that's just... That is just you getting in your own way. Um, you know, and I realize that's sort of like the, the, the drink from the fire hose in terms of my advice to, uh, to, to writers. <laughs> sure, but I'm just sure. saying it because I've been there. Yeah. I have been there. I didn't just, you know, graduate from USC with a, you know, MFA in screenwriter or some bullshit. You know, I graduated from college. I went, I got a, a real job like everybody else, and I worked in real jobs for years. I had a real life, you know, and I wrote. Um you know, so it's not it's not a thing where it's like, oh, easy for him to say. It's it's not easy for me to say. Hmm. You know, I've been there. I've lived it. Is there is there anything right now that you're sitting on that you've that you've put to paper that that you're trying to sell that you're trying to get out there to 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 just be here's my original creation. Um, this is not something I wrote for any. You know, not that you not that you're writing for anybody else when you do things like Terminator, Andromeda, or, or Thor, but but something that that here is here is this idea that I came up with that is mine that I want to try to sell out there to Hollywood or, or to this studio or that studio, anything you're sitting on like that? Oh, yeah. You know, we've got all kinds of stuff um, like that, and, and most of it is the reason why we, we've gotten the jobs uh, that we've had and we've okay. you know, ended up in the positions that we've had. Um, you know, we sold an original uh, feature to, uh, to Disney back in, in 2005, uh, called the Feynman Chronicles, which was the short version is that it was about uh, you know this basically something crashes into the mountains of the Congo, 
and you know the OSS thinks that it's some Nazi you know Zeppelin program, uh, and they send this young physicist named Richard Feynman with an OSS team. Uh, into the jungle to figure out what it is. And it's just this wild kind of Indiana Jones adventure oh, as we bought it. Um, and that was the writing sample that, you know, we submit to get the job on Thor. Oh, wow. You know? um, so that's kind of out there. You know, we wrote two uh, pilot scripts on spec. Um, one of those pilot scripts, uh, you know, got us in front of James Middleton, whose name should be familiar to you from, mm-hmm. uh, from Terminator. Um, and... Because of that, we ended up working with him on another pilot project for uh, for Fox that didn't go. Um, but all of those things led to us being submitted uh, to Josh Friedman and John Worth for Terminator. They read a second spec pilot that we had written and loved it, and uh, and hired us for it. Um, you know, so you know those things are are out there. And I guess the other thing I say is, look, it's it's very easy to kind of get up in the morning and go to work, whether it's Thor, or it's Terminator, or it's Fringe, you know, or, or whatever it is, and say, well, I don't own this, you know, um, I, I don't own this, and I'm not involved in this, mm-hmm. I'm just going to write, and that's not how we, how we roll, okay. uh, you know, we own every page, you know, whether it's ours, you know, or not, right. we have to own right. every page, yeah. you know, so, you know, definitely there's, there's stuff that is completely and wholly original, um, you know that we are that we are working on, on getting out there, um, but you know you, you kind of look at it with some perspective and you realize, well, you know, it is out there and it's it's, it's making things happen. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, and I guess I ask that to say it's a thing where you've got to keep beating down doors um, to open up other doors that you may not yeah. even know are out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people. Right. I know I'm the type of person I sit and wait for things to drop in my lap. And, uh, and so, and so, uh, so you know, and people like you, you're the guy that's like, you know what, I, this is something I'm so passionate about that I want to see happen, and uh, and I'm going to make it happen. And so, um, and and man, I'm glad you did because I tell you what, from from just the just the work on Sarah Connor Chronicles, it, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of of you guys and and appreciate what you've done. And and I appreciate the support that I know you guys gave to Derek and I on Sky Next and. And I know Derek got to speak with you, and I haven't had a chance to say thank you uh, for supporting our little neck of fandom there, and and that sort of thing meant meant a lot to us. You're you're working in the Whedon verse now, sir. How's that working out for you? I am. Well, you worked on Fringe. You did the Fringe. Yeah. yeah. That's J.J. Abrams. Oh, dude. is that Abrams? Why am I? I yeah, got you know what I got awesome. Fringe. I'm sorry. Let me start over. You're working with J.J. Yeah, Abrams okay. now. You're working in the Bad Robot universe. I I was thinking Dollhouse, I and I apologize. Oh my oh, gosh, okay. yeah, Fringe, Fringe, yeah. All right. Well, hey. well, did I get a job and I didn't even know about it? Right. I'm, I'm like, sorry. You know, I'm like sorry. Yeah. You had in college. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's me being an idiot. That's me confusing. <laughs> That's um, me confusing my Fox shows. So. All right. Yeah. Um, you're working yeah, with so Seth MacFarlane on Family Guy now. How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> are you, now you guys are you guys are regular writers now for Fringe? We are. Yeah. How how's that we working are. out for you? It's great. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been uh it's been a great deal of fun. Uh, you know, a lot of great writers working on that show. It's it's fun being part of uh, you know, the JJ verse. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and working for Bad Robot. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, look, our offices, best office ever. It's uh, over the Hustler store 
on Sunset Boulevard. Wow. Yeah. So I'd be sitting there, and I'd be working and writing, and i hear, like, attention, hustler shoppers. And I'm like, what the hell could they possibly be? <laughs> you know, you just kind of, like, you know, look at guys kind of, like, you know, parking across the street, looking around, does anybody see me? Dash. Straight to the door. You know, uh, it's funny. Uh, we had, uh, Zach and I had lunch with, uh, with Brian, um, uh, several weeks ago, and you know we we, we came out the, the front door and and Zach kind of piped up with, you know okay you know that'll be a great headline Brian Austin Green like spotted with two unidentified white males outside. <laughs> yeah, Brian and I had a had a long conversation about the paparazzi problem in his life and and how yeah. he responds to it. Um, yeah. well, have you have I mean have you gotten to meet J.J. Abrams? Have you talked to him much? Yeah. I mean yeah. So, yep. so there's a chance for Star Trek two in your future, sir. <laughs> are you oh, ang- are you angling for that at all? <laughs> uh, I, you know what? Here's the deal. I don't care. You know who is like responsible for the uh, for the Star Trek universe. Um, you know, it could be JJ. It could be you know, uh, I don't know Harold Zwart. You know, who directed Cody Banks. Yeah. Um, I don't care who it is. You know. I, that's something that, that I would want to be involved in because it's always been, you know, part of my life. Right, right. Always. Well, cool. Well, maybe that'll happen for you. We'll start. We'll start a fan. We'll start a fan push for it. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I'll have to. I'll have to, you know, pry the job out of the cold, dead fingers of uh, Alex and Bob. But yeah. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, uh, Ash, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I appreciate your time. I'm going to let you get back to your Saturday afternoon with your friends and family. And congratulations again on being a dad. Oh, and, thank you so much. And, uh, uh, it's been really a lot of fun. So, And we're going to keep our eyes out for you, what you do. Looking forward to Thor in a couple of years or a year and a half or so. And, uh, yep. And so, um, so keep us up to date, man. Uh, any, any way people – I know you've got a Twitter that people can yep. follow you on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com. Yep. Can I, you want me to give that out or – yeah, sure. Okay, twitter.com forward slash ashman01 um, is, is your Twitter. Anywhere else online people can find you, kind of keep track of you if they want to? You know, at the, at the moment, you know, that's, that's kind of it. You know, it's yeah. funny, I'm, I'm getting, like, Facebook friend requests from people now, um, and here's, here's the deal. I, I'm not responding to them, not because, like, I, I don't uh, appreciate, you know, the, the interest and all that, but mainly because I just hate Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but I show up there a lot. But, yeah, but. Twitter's a great place, and, you know, I, I've been encouraged to start the whole blogging thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure uh, quite how to do that yet. Uh, cause <laughs> I, you know, if, if I can't do it in 140 characters, I'm lost. There. <laughs> I can't be snarky in greater than 140 characters. I understand. I understand. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, i got to say that uh, if people actually want to see me, you want to see me, I know because how self-serving and ridiculous is that statement, right? <laughs> uh, but actually, there's a on the, the Sarah Connor DVD mm-hmm. slash Blu-ray available in stores in September. Um, there's a special feature. I think it's going to be on disc six. Mm-hmm. Right, the future. And oh, wow. what that is is for about a day in the writers' room. Um, you know, DVD crew came in, sat down with a camera. And they uh, recorded a session in the writer's room of Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, with everybody. And it wasn't planned to be this way. We had one of the biggest knockdown, drag-out, 
barn burner argument, I think, in oh. the history show. Not the very biggest, but to that point, damn close. Uh, it's like 12 angry men with laptops. Oh, and my just, God. And they filmed this. They totally got it. And it's, it's funny because I wonder, I, I personally cannot wait to see what that looks like. Uh, the, the level of snark uh, that is, I think, coming out of my mouth and, uh, and Zach's mouth is quite something to behold. And, and perhaps, like, perhaps it's better left unseen. But, but it should be entertaining. Can you tell us what, I mean, do you remember what you guys were fighting about? What, what the argument oh, was about? I do. Um, the, uh, the fight was over uh, in episode, uh, we changed around some of the, the, uh, the, the episode numbers at times, but uh, strange things happen on two points. Okay. Um, Dr. Sherman dies, right? Yes. Um, and originally, uh, that is not what was going to happen. <gasps> and somebody put that idea out on the table, and uh, we argued that quite intensely. Um, and so really, it was basically, the, it's, it's almost like what hangs in the balance, you know, is the future paycheck of the actor who plays Dr. Herman. Uh, and, but really, it's what hangs in the balance in some way, if you kind of look at it, is, is the season. Um, and kind of the, the, the way that the season flows. I mean, obviously, where we find elephants what happens with him, um, you know, would have been more or less the same. Um, but the way in would have been necessarily different. Right. Uh, you know, so it's, it's fascinating because it's, it's really this kind of fulcrum point for the whole show, and we didn't even know it at the time. Um, and that isn't even, you know, the, that wasn't even you know, the point that we were arguing. It was just kind of like, well, how many, you know, fucking, you know, super smart AIs can kill people accidentally in science fiction television? You know, how long do we have to go that well? Uh, so yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Oh, cool, cool. And that's going to be out sometime in September, the the final season of Sarah Connor Chronicles. Which, my God, you know, you mentioned before that that you left people wanting more. And there's two ways to leave people wanting more. You can either do it the Rocky Five way, where you want more because wow, that really sucks. Or you could, <laughs> or you. Or you can do it the Rocky Balboa way, where you want more because you fell in love with that that crew all over again, and and it was just that good, and 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 Sarah Connor Chronicles was that good at the end that you just really want so much more than than what we got. But who knows? Uh, who knows? Fan fiction, like fan fiction will abound. <laughs> yep. <laughs> never say never. Ash, thanks so much for coming on Geek Out Loud today, man. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. It was a lot of fun. And that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Geek Out Loud. I want to thank once again Ashley Miller for for joining us. Uh, this has been wow. This has been a couple of months ago that he and I actually had that conversation. And uh, what a great stand-up guy to come on and just talk about the things you guys that fancy yourself writers and and, and long to get into that. Take his advice to heart, man. What a great what a finish that finish it. I mean, just finish things. That was what a what a great piece of advice that was to writers. Could have used that advice for myself a while back, but um, and now that I have it, I could really use following it. Anyhow, um, the website is geekoutpodcast.com. dot com. That's where you'll find the iTunes link. 
the RSS feed for the podcast, but also if you go to geekoutonline.com, that's where the blog is, and that's where you'll find my thoughts on all things geek. www.bighonkinshow.com, bighonkinshow.com, that's where you'll find my latest endeavor into the podcast slash broadcasting world, The Big Honkin' Show. Uh, let us hear from you on that, know what you think. I'd love to hear from you here on your ideas on everything that's going on geek-wise. We're coming into a low point. We've got a lot of TV that's happening. We've got a lot of things going on. So I'd love to hear from you at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Now, there's no movies coming out right now that are really big, but comic books, things are kicking. TV, things are kicking. So a lot to talk about at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. We've got a great little community over in our little neck of the woods as far as our forums go. Geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. Geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. Head over there. You can also find um, forums for the guys at the Vortex, Views from the Long Box, Flicks Podcast, and, uh, and, and the Clone Wars Podcast, Frontlines. So, uh, so go check those things out, and, and let's just have a good time over at the forums at geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. Well, guys, thanks again, once again, for joining us. We're going to try to be back a lot sooner, uh, you know, get, a, get on a more of a weekly rotation for a little while until busyness just rams into us again like crazy. So uh, until then, until next time, I'm Steve Lawson. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good day.